This is the Bob McCallum Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. John Shannon here, Darren Millard there. So is it cooling down? Is it what is it? 117 today, or it was 108 yesterday, <laughs> and we're forecast to cool down over the course of the weekend into the 90s and the 80s. The problem is here. I'm going to explain this every. You walk out my back is to the to the west so the morning shade you walk out of the backyard in the morning and it's amazing it's 80 but it's in the shade you're like this is going to be a great day and then an hour and a half later you're on the surface of the sun we're we're hoping <laughs> that things get a little bit better over the course of the of the weekend and next week well i so i gotta tell you here it's supposed to get warm again here but you know we it was a little nippy yesterday a little in, on the golf course. It was, uh, I was in Lewiston, New York. It was a little chilly down there. Uh, Mitts? It was overcast. No, not mitt. I, I have, a, I do not play the game of golf. If they say it's under 10 Celsius, which is about 50. I, I won't, I just won't play. I just, I, I won't have anything to do with it. That's, that's too cold for me. So. I see you as uh, as one of those people at 15 degrees, and you've got the tarp around your cart. No, 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 no. Inside. You're, no, no, you're I can't. That. Listen, I cannot play with long sleeves. I have to have short sleeves. Right? So if, if it, that's why if it gets too cold, then I'm still walking around with my golf shirt, shirt sleeves on, and it just doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. Why can't you wear with long, I, long I don't, sleeves? I don't. I don't. I, I don't like, I don't like, I like my arms open. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to have that problem. Did you have a so, bad experience one time wearing long sleeves? Yeah. Yeah. It kept going right. It just kept going right. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was the problem. I do like the people that have the carts with the tarps on the sides and in the back well, and they pop out, they hit the ball and then they jump back in the cart. I'm like, that doesn't well, seem it, to be it, Have you ever, ever, ever played in Banff? No. Never played the golf at the at, at, like there are guys that they have them all tricked out. So one guy look yeah. it looks like a Rolls Royce. He's got heaters in there. He's got windows. It's uh it's crazy what they uh what they do. But those are those are people that actually they you know I I don't like the I I I I like golf. I really like golf. I don't love it that way. You know I that that that's why I don't spend too much time on the range. You know, I mean, practice is a little overrated for me on when it comes yeah. to golf. Then you can't get, then you, you know, then if you hit a bad shot, you can't get mad. And I like say, practice I, you know, more than playing. I'd rather go oh, you to do. the range and, and chip and putt. And do you, go to, do you, do you go to the top golf? Yeah, they got to have a top golf, a top golf in Vegas. We do. Huh? We do. I've never do been. So you don't really like the range then? Yeah. Well, no, I like the range. I don't like paying through my nose for the range. Top Golf will not be a sponsor of your podcast, by the way. I apologize for that. <laughs> no, they're not. Only our friends at Bed Rivers. <laughs> but, but uh, no, I can I can go to the range and hit as many balls as I want, and uh, I I don't have to walk out of there giving up half my car. Okay, it's that's fun. Good. That's good. I know. Do you now? Do you do you play in the heat in Vegas when you play golf? Yep. Yeah. But after ten a.m., people don't play, do they? No, like, uh, you you play at eight or nine, and then you're done in the back half, and and you're okay. As as long as you're out there before it gets hot, it's not as much of a, a shocker. And then you feel like you're, oh, I'm just, we're just getting off. And this is the favorite line in Vegas. 
We're just getting off in time. We're ju we're just, <laughs> just getting off and finishing up in time. <laughs> well, we're 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 just going to get it off in time here too. So, uh, it's Millard, it's Shannon, it's the McCowan Podcast. Back after this. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the Bet Rivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. Welcome back to the McCowan Podcast. Bob's still on the, uh, the DL. Um, but, uh, Darren's been there and Millard's been kind enough to join us all week. Uh, have you enjoyed the experience? You know, you this is probably the most uh, Canadian content you've, uh, you've had in a long period of time. I mean, we know your, your own podcast, the chirp is always uh, available in Canada, but, uh, this is a, a daily routine of talking sports, talking hockey, uh, back in Canada. It's a little good for you, huh? That's, that's a good point to bring up because, uh, we were talking at home yesterday and I was, uh, bringing up couple of things and i was uh reminded that i've been talking a lot of canadian sports uh, this week just in and around the house and it's been fun to to get back in that i'm a massive blue jays fan uh, Are already you? so i so i follow that and there's a few of us in and around the uh, golden knights organization that 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 follow very uh closely we've got a little chat group but uh, but uh but it's been it's been fun to get get back into it uh follow what tfc is doing and uh and and tracking uh the different events going in and around the Canadian Football League as well, which I love. Well, I love the Canadian is, Football League. You, you still, you, and does that mean you're a Bomber fan? Uh, I am a Bomber fan, but th there's a thing called CBS Sports Network. I don't know whether you guys get uh, access to that in the in. Uh, no, we have Canada. a thing called TSN. We right, thing called TSN. So you you get that, but CB, <laughs> CBS Sports Network picks up this TSN yeah. feed of the Canadian Football. Yeah. And yeah. I'll, I'll mention his name, uh, uh, Darren Granger, the equipment manager, longtime equipment manager of the Los Angeles Kings, uh, a brand new buddy of mine. Uh, we were texting back and forth, and he just randomly sent me a picture of a, of a bomber game and saying he's watched more CFL this year than he has in years. And I've done the same thing. So, yeah, there's uh, there's ways if you uh, look for it to, to find Canadian sports. But this this has been an awesome week and, and hanging out with Hugh uh who does all the work behind the scenes has been fun too i, I th th there's no work to this 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 is a piece of cake compared to you know everything else we've done in our lives and organizing things in our lives this is uh this is this is three texts and a phone call and life goes on right i mean that's, well, that's i always talk to you and, I, and, 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 I talk to you anyway so it, this yeah. this might as well be on air because our, our conversations are always fun yeah, but you're you just you're 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 more in tune with what happens with my dog than you are with mm -hmm. uh, anything else. By the way, else. did a nice little tour the other day uh, when we were talking <laughs> to Bill Armstrong. Yeah, you noticed <laughs> and, that, and did you? you? 
didn't flinch at all. Was checking nope. out the TV shelf. We did a, did another lap around. Like came in a, a couple of different times. It, it was it was well done. Well, you know, this is Kevin's lair, and uh, I I will tell everybody as the phone rings in the background. I will tell everybody that uh, when I do Darren's radio show in 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 Vegas on a regular basis, I go up to a, a certain part of the house. And the dog follows me and sits on the bed and watches me do my radio interview every time, every time. So he's he's become a constant uh, when it comes to uh, talking about the Vegas Golden Knights and, and the National Hockey League. So I, I, I've got to ask you, um, yeah. first of all, the Jays are two and a half out of the wild card. You, this is going to be tough for them now. I this is going to be tough for them. I, but I, we've been wait I we've do. been waiting for this all season long now. Yeah. Wait until they get over the hump. You know, they, they got these 15 games against teams that are under uh, under 500. Well, they're supposed to go 12 and three. Well, they're, they're not going to be able to go 12 and three now. I don't think. I mean, it's it's going to be fascinating to see what happens and how much pressure is on this organization, uh, particularly down this stretch. But you think they're getting in? I, I think they find a way to get in. The, look, the, the bats... They gotta, they gotta find like a good stretch, not just a five, six game stretch, a really good stretch. And and I know Bo's uh, beat up right now, but I, I, I'm confident that it will come together. And we're looking for a hero. And and who, who's that that going to be? The arms have been spectacular. I think the defense has been been great. But uh, but boy, oh boy, well, you know who the hero is. The you know the guy who has to take the team on his shoulders, and that's Vladimir Guerrero. Yeah, but he has I don't think to, that's going to happen. Well, th then they're in then they're in trouble. I mean, I, I think with with you look at uh, the expectation of of what Bichette has done, um, and you're right. You know, he's got the quad issue right now a little bit, but um, you know, he's he's done more than his share of being the MVP of this club. You know, uh, Matt Chapman has not hit as well as they thought he would, particularly after the first month when he was so good, but defensively, he's great. I I just think that we are in, in so many ways, we're waiting for Vladimir Guerrero to be Vladimir Guerrero um, that we saw when he had uh, what the 47 home run season. And, and we, we haven't seen it now for a couple of years. And, and, I, and you until know, somebody gets really going in and around them to protect yeah. them a little bit, it's, it's easier to, to nibble at him and i i kind of feel bad for him because he he's been exposed uh not uh for his talent but exposed as people can attack him a lot more this year because uh mm -hmm. there there's no worries because of, of people failing to produce in in front and behind him so i i think that if you had a little more contribution on that side uh, you would be able to see that vladimir guerrero that we're talking about and wish we could see yeah, I I think you're probably right. Hey, now, do I was curious, it just occurred to me. So all those years you worked at Sportsnet and you were doing the desk, did you did you like doing other sports? I mean, you're now known as a hockey guy. I mean, yeah. that's becoming. But did you like doing everything else? I did. Uh, we would do the, the show from uh, Rogers Center uh, the odd time with with uh, the Blue Jays. Uh, I did golf. Uh, my first couple of years and did all the, the tour events, uh, men's and ladies. Uh, yeah. And that was fun. That was when Sergio was first starting. Um, Payne Stewart, uh, I remember in, interacting with Payne uh, to, to the point it was, it was right before the, the, the tragedy. Mike Weir's first win. I, I was uh, the course reporter uh, for that. So Tiger Woods uh, did when he hit the 
first shot or, or the great shot out of the bunker uh, at Glen Abbey. Uh, and I got yelled at because I asked two questions. I was only allowed to ask one. And then ESPN didn't get their interview with them because Tiger knew he only had that answer two questions. And I got yelled at by the ESPN guy. Uh, I, I'm, I'm convinced that's why I never worked there is because I asked two questions of, of Tiger Woods. And then I did tennis, uh, tennis for uh, a number of years uh, as well in, in Montreal and Toronto. And did you have a, I mean, the, the golf world is so much fun. I, yeah. I love I love doing golf. I did I did golf for five or six years. I I just I loved I loved the golf world. A for being outside most of the time. The weather was great, um, and, and quite frankly, ninety five percent of the golfers were such good people, uh, yeah. and they wanted you around because the more you thought the TV guys were around, the more chance they were they had of being on television, and then the logos on their shirts would be seen. And so it was a real, it was a, it, it, they really tried to create a relationship with the TV guys. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And we would pop in, we would do two events. We did Vancouver, which had an event then. And then sure. uh, the, the Canadian Open, which was uh, somewhere in Ontario. We did the seniors. Uh, we did the, uh, the women. Uh, one, one of the coolest things I ever did was uh, there was to get players to Vancouver in the Air Canada Championship. Uh, greater vancouver open uh they would put the players downtown and they would helicopter them over to surrey and really? our our producer uh said we would like to document that can you do it well that meant getting up at like five in the morning taking a cab downtown from surrey because we stayed in surrey so i took a cab into surrey and then got on this helicopter which was a cool we're not not just like a regular helicopter with with uh, landing skis, but the wheels and stuff like it was like yeah, yeah. just super tech. Where where, uh, where then, were they taken off from? At the top of the building? At the harbor. Oh, right, in the right, harbor. In the harbor, and then oh. we flew to the golf course in, in in Surrey. But as it turns out, the guy that I flew with that day that I hopped a ride with the player was Rich Beam. Remember Rich Beam? Sure. Yeah. What a sure. major. And yeah. and he wrote one of the great books of all time, like tell all books uh, about being on the golf course and, and the different escapades uh, that that he would have. So that was neat to meet Rich Beam before Beamer became big and famous for the, the, the book and the article. But then I then I nap for like five hours in our production thing. <laughs> what do you, you, you couldn't stay up all day? Well, it was like five in the morning. No, I'm I, I need. I, I, I'm a napper. Are you a napper? Oh, I'm a big. Napper. Oh, I can nap. I, I I can nap for sure. I, and, and you know you can you you can if you can get 15 minutes, then you probably buy another three hours. You know you nap for 15, you get three more hours. Yeah, I need more than that. I I'm like an hour napper. Oh, I, like no, I, I I would I would tell you that um uh all those years of I would uh, like like my week. When I was in in my twenties and early thirties, my week was doing a game Monday, a game Wednesday, a game Thursday, a game Saturday. So, uh, and and so you knew, and those were probably in four different cities, doing that stuff. Um, and so what you needed to do is you knew that if you if you were out a little later after a game, that you could get on the plane and fall asleep. And so I learned to I learned to fall asleep. 
before the uh, plane pushed back from the gate. <laughs> and so, so I would, I would be, I would sit down in my chair. I'd tell the flight attendant, please don't talk to me. And I'd be asleep. And whether it was the 40 minute flight from Calgary to Edmonton or vice versa, or Vancouver to LA or, you know, Calgary to Winnipeg, I was on, I was asleep on every plane flight that I ever took for 15 years. And Did you it, fly it, first class. Um, not most of the time. Most and some of the planes didn't have it because of you know the the short the short jumps mm. from. I mean, remember the old airlines in the West? It was well, it was CP Pacific. Well, CP and Pacific Western Airlines (PWA). Oh yeah, yeah. And so and so, but Air Air Canada. If we if you traveled over two hours, you were allowed to travel up there in the in the front. So it was, uh, but it was. I, and I didn't care because I was I was always asleep. People uh, that I've traveled with would get mad if you slept if you were in business or first class. They they would oh, get no. thoroughly upset with you because you're you're wasting two hours of solid booze time. Why would you ever sleep in in business class if you can pound for well, two hours and first, it's first all of all free? I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure there was alcohol available in those early morning flights. I didn't really check. You know. I mean, I think there there used to be laws that you could, couldn't serve it before a certain period of time. So, uh, I think. I don't know. I never. I, I never even thought about. It. Of course, I didn't drink alcohol till I was about twenty five. So. Oh, late bloomer. Yeah. Well, you know, I was. I was working. I was having too much fun working. You know. I mean. I, uh, I, did you? I go. I go to. No, never. I, once I'm in the rink, I'm in the rink. So I would you never find like a, a, a side spot and and put your feet no. up and crash. No. What, what did you? Oh yeah, actually I recall walking into a studio. I think when in one uh, and I think you were asleep in the corner. Yeah, I, I, I can nap anywhere. I would sleep under my desk at uh, at Sportsnet during the afternoon. I remember actually. Radio. I do. Re I do remember that. I do remember. I, that. I, I could do all that. Producer Matt Marstrom would always come and go. Are you napping? Yeah trying and and uh and and be able to to crash out I and mean, i i've crashed at uh at different rinks found uh, a little side spot I, I but i was thinking about you because you were in the heyday of the oilers and the the flames yeah. and the the jets like uh paul imagine paul coffee coming around the corner and going what the heck is going on who's this guy sleeping over here yeah no no never never at the rink but mind, mind you, I my routine at the rink was different than people do now. People people go to the rink and they stay at the rink. I would always still go back to the hotel. I would go oh, back really? to the hotel. Oh yeah, yeah. Nobody I, does that. Not anymore. Uh, but I, I but I, I I never saw the reason of of staying at the rink for that period of time because all it did from twelve thirty to three o'clock was create angst. It created angst. I needed something to do, so. You know, getting back in the cab, or or taking the subway back, or 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 walking back to the hotel, and then, you know, maybe watching a little TV, maybe uh, having a little lunch. That was more important than staying at the rink and driving yourself crazy. That was the worst part of the. I've I've talked about this thousands of times. That was the worst part of producing, was from two o'clock till you know six, waiting for the game to start, and then or, or waiting for the production to start. It was, it was agonizing for me. And it would, and by the by the time six or seven o'clock came around, I was so wound up. And how much you know, would that's you when... tweak your show, uh, whether it's the opening or your intermissions, because the game will tell you your story anyway. Um, 
I, I think that I, I think you always thought that there was a chance that things would change. But I, I will tell you, I mean, the, the whole concept of how a game was formatted and put together was different then because you had more access to players. I mean, we used to bring players out of the dressing room into the studio at 5.30 on the, for a 7.30 game at 5.30 and talk to them for half an hour. And, and One? Three? Three guys, usually. Usually three people. A player, maybe two players and a coach, where none of that happens anymore. I mean, you know, maybe on a Saturday night, they get that, you know, that fancy look and uh, walk out of the room for the warm-up and they stop and talk to Kyle Bukowski's uh, shot. Um, but you don't get near the access to players anymore that you that we used to have you know like you know and that that probably changed more than anything because what you do if once you got the player in there and he started telling stories you'd say oh well we're we're going down the wrong path and you'd have to change your whole show you'd have to change that this guy just said this so we can we can be much more fluid with the with what we're going to say at the top of the show so that it was, uh, it, but it was different, it to totally different. Um, and I, you know, there are days I think that it's probably better that they do it this way. That certainly allows for more production value. Uh, but there are other times you think that it was a little more rudimentary, but you were in, you were much closer to the story of what the players were and you created a human connection with the player. And you, and I think that that human connection doesn't exist now for a ton of reasons. Uh, that it that it did in the uh, in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. So I don't know when this happened. If you'll allow me to go down a rabbit hole, but there was a time when at the intermission, a player would yeah. come into the studio with Ron with Dave uh, on a hockey yeah. night, and they would sit down for a five minute interview. Uh, was, five would be long. Five long? would be long, but five would be long. But but yes, it was, that, it was that a, happened every Saturday. A two question. It wasn't a two question interview, uh, and no. and you got to know the player. The player seemed comfortable in there, and uh, it, it was it was just a you mentioned connection, but uh, but a conversation. When did that yeah. depart to the walk off interview where the player is just he's going to the room and he answers two questions and off you go. I can tell you. Ex I, I can tell you exactly the moment it happened. And why? So, uh, well, uh, in 97 or 1998, uh, two, two things. First of all, uh, about that time, we developed the, uh, for Hockey Night, we developed a pregame show. We had gone to the doubleheader, and then we created a pregame show. Uh, and the great thing about the pregame show was the pregame show was on during the warm-up, Right. So yeah. we would stick a reporter, whether it was Scott Russell or Scott Oak or even Ron on certain days. Uh, and we would have a player skate, just skate right over, skate right over, do and that. And so that concept of the shorter interview happened in the warm up. But what happened to, and it really changed in so many ways for, I think, a lot of people because, um, we got rid of doing the interview in the studio because you wanted you wanted to be to show you were in the rink more and you wanted to be behind the scenes more. I loved and, and so as, as, as in watching the old films, I loved when Frank Selke Jr. or Ward Cornell or 
uh, or any of the 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 fame Jack Dennett, the famous hockey announcers of the fifties and sixties on Hockey Night, would do an interview outside the Leaf Room, or at mm. in the hallway at the Montreal Forum. I, I that to me was, uh, you know, it, it it wasn't a sterile studio. It was you're in a hockey yeah. rink, and isn't it cool that you're you're it given that little here you are behind the scenes of a of a hockey arena. So we started to do more and more of that. But there was a Saturday, and again, morning skate at Maple Leaf Gardens. There's a Saturday where the San Jose Sharks are in town. Uh, and uh, Daryl Sutter is the coach of the San Jose Sharks. And we have requested one of his players. And I, I it'll, it'll, it'll come to me who the player was. I can't really remember who the player was. But, you know, this was the only time the Sharks were on hockey night for a long period of time. I knew Daryl well, went through the PR guy and said, we'd like to do so-and-so. 10 minutes later, the PR guy comes back to me and says, uh, John, uh, Daryl doesn't want you to interview him. So I said, well, why not? He says, well, he says, well, you know, Daryl's got his reasons. I said, no, 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 no. This is hockey night in Canada. This is Saturday night. This is important. This guy, this kid's a Canadian kid. You know, we got to, and next thing you know, Daryl's part of the conversation. And Daryl says to me, he says, listen, John, I know the guy wants to go on hockey night. I know it's it's for the family. We understand it because Daryl used to do it for us as a player, right? Daryl yeah. was there. He knew that. Yeah. And he said, but I got a problem. He said, uh, he's really banged up. He's really banged up. And would you, you know, I, I just don't want, he's got to get in and get treatment. I says, I tell you what, Daryl, we'll do it right away. We'll do it before the commercial, and we'll only ask him two questions. And that's how it started. And from then that point on, we restructured the show format to do the walk-off right away at the end of the period to get the guy back in the room, but still get the sense that you had a chance to talk to him about the game. Wasn't You were losing the whole five-minute, you know, relationship interview but you were still going to be able to talk to the player you know see the sweat on his nose have him um you know have him be seen by friends and family back home and then you got to hear what he sounded like which is to me part of the magic of a player interview anyways you know i always remember as a kid listening to frank mahovlich and there's frank mahovlich he doesn't have a big voice he's got a you know a, a, a you know a low a low high-pitched low key voice and that was always amazing that that voice came out of that player so that's what we did and that so that changed in 97 or 98 on a saturday night and we never went back and then what happened is everybody else started to do it and now it's a fact of life because it would have got everybody's attention doing it that way and everybody said we totally different we got to totally try, different we got to try that yeah yeah that's right that's exactly and that you know what television is a copycat yeah. business and it's a copycat business, yeah. So that's and then and then and the teams liked it better too. The teams because the the moment you had the player go into the room and then come back out, that that really probably pissed the coach off. Anyway, hey, we gotta go. We gotta. Uh, that's an old uh, history lesson. Maybe we will talk about the modern NHL rather than uh, black and white television. Millard and Shannon on the McCallum podcast for a Thursday. Back after this. Welcome back to the podcast. Jerry Millard, John Shannon, nice Thursday afternoon. Oh yeah, are you in? Yeah, go ahead. What? Okay, I just I want to loop back because I don't want to lose track of that thread. And this is the last comment I have. What would okay. happen if you 
asked for the four-minute sit-down in the studio interview today. Would anybody ever go for it? I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, probably not. Um, and, and, you know, so much of what we see today is, you know, the, the, the focus has changed and, and it, it, the whole philosophy of what's supposed to happen behind the scenes of a, uh, or, or, or in the content of a, of a, in this case, a hockey production ha has become so studio dictated so many things about what's going on in the studio um is a, is is part of that and it has less and less to do with less and less to do with the game less and less to do with the players and more to do with listening to people talk that aren't at the rink anymore you know that happens all the time i mean when you, when your guys go on the road you know it's it's you and darren or you know or or or, or derek or whoever's your 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 cohort in the studio doing the VGK games, um, you know, on on Saturdays or and or on any night that ESPN or TNT do things, the separation between the game and the studio is 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 really big, and so it doesn't really matter anymore. I think there's a I think it's funny. I I think there's a real um. A real decision that we can program the intermission better and we think we can do it better but we we've lost track of why we're doing the intermission because we really should be doing the intermission to help enhance the game and i'm not yeah. sure i i'm not sure that happens anymore i think it i think they run in parallel now um and and and, and all of us that have produced games and worked on studio shows and done this we're all guilty of of trying to protect our own turf as opposed to really understanding at times that it's important um, to reinforce what's happening in the game and and what makes things tick in the game and, and who who these players are. One of the, you know, for the longest time, I used to fight with that we should be always do player interviews. We should always do player interviews. Remember for years and people were, people were lauding how great it was at IndyCar and NASCAR that they could talk to the drivers just before the race started? Yeah. We've been doing that since 1952, during the game, you know, between periods. We talk to athletes between periods. You know, they don't do that in the NFL very often at halftime. They don't do that at halftime of the NFL. They don't do that in the NBA very often, although NBA is getting better um major league baseball i mean i laugh when i when i see the headset on the manager major league baseball i mean we've been talking to coaches and players forever in our game and, baseball and is just actually a, now the leader in it because they talk to players during playing now well and it's fantastic and, and how good is that i mean it's and, and and lots and lots of players i think want to do it because they're thinking beyond their own career their, their own baseball career. They're thinking, what am I going to do when I'm 40? I, they want to be, uh, they want to, they, they want to be part of all this. So um, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a fat, fascinating discussion about how close we can get to the game and, and get to the athletes. Now, on the other side, I, I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think of the shots in the dressing room or in, if you're like in the United them. States in the locker room? I, I, I like them. I love seeing behind the curtain and it
It doesn't yeah. have to be anything spectacular. It doesn't have to be a tirade going on or a, a tantrum or laughing and joking. I just like being uh, allowed inside that realm. See, and I, it, to me, it doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't. Uh, it, it never has. You know, and when I was when I was at the league, I used to have to and used to have to enforce it on network nights that uh, you know that you know, hey Lou, you know the cameras are going in your dressing room. Well, is that in the contract? Yes, it is, Lou. So okay, well then they have to go in and take a couple of shots and and then they leave. Um, it's a lot less structured now than it was when it started because I think the players are used to it. I think the players understand it, and which is a good thing. But to me that's something that's special and I don't think you should use it all the time. And I think now I think we've overused it and now it's just, it's part of the furniture. And I think I try it, I think and balance it with the walk-in shots from the parking lot. Uh, yeah. And then the laces and faces, as we call it, uh, uh, guys getting uh, ready in the room. I try and do uh, offset it one, one night, one the next night and not use it every single night. Um, yeah. but it, it does come to think of it. It doesn't even have to be every second night. You could do it every third night or fourth night, come up with something, something else to get in. I like the high wide shot in the, the, the static camera in the room that they just, yeah. they just roll on. Uh, I like seeing that every now and then. Um, I think that's intriguing. Just to be able to sort of see what, what is going on as you go to break during, uh, during an intermission or a pregame show. I, I do enjoy that because that, takes me anything that takes me behind the scenes a little bit i'm i'm very much that guy nick kiprios used to make fun of me all the time uh about uh wanting to be in the room and that that was their sanctity mm. uh, their sacred place and uh we didn't necessarily uh, deserve or need to be in there and i i, I find it fascinating even though there's yeah. barely anything going on right and 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 by the way when the players think the cameras are on they do less yeah, <laughs> you know, so so totally you're, you're, dial it back. Oh, totally. So you don't get near the you, you, the realism that you're you expected to get. So, and that's that's part of why, um, that's part of why I think that it's you know it's the smoke and mirrors are sometimes too smoky and not reflective enough. I mean, and and, and you say that's not the real thing. I I still remember just in in that vein. I still remember, and this is this is how how easy things were there were no league people in the way there was you know you had direct contact with both teams and the officials and we did a playoff game in chicago one night um and the referee i convinced the referee that morning didn't have to go to the league office i convinced the referee to wear a microphone wow and we would run oh yeah i convinced him to wear a microphone we're going to record it and then we're going to play it back the next game as a feature here's here's what the referee did for uh, game three of the series, and we ran it in the intermission of game four. And so, so it happens, and we're recording it. We got good sound, and there's some good stuff in it. And after the game, I'm walking out of Chicago Stadium, and and the visiting coach comes up to me, and he says, hey, John, yeah. Was he wearing a mic tonight? And I said, oh, yeah. He says, because he talked 20 times more than he normally no. does. Oh, yeah. He says he was all over the place and he was almost like doing a stand-up comic routine compared to what he normally did because he was wearing this little microphone. Putting on so, a show. 
putting on a show and it was going to be on the next ad was it was a great feature but then you then you start thinking about it is that when they do do those things are you getting the real deal or are they are they uh, hamming it up for for their big appearance on on hockey night in canada in that scenario and the answer is lots of times they they were and i do think now though the players are so used to wearing microphones that it it doesn't uh, it it doesn't come off that way but i still think there are times where players get a kick out of it and and they they talk more than they than they used to do you think officials should have to talk after a game um well i think what should happen i i do like what baseball does i, I do i do uh, you in the stanley cup final or the starting at the conference final, I would not object to having a pool reporter go in and talk to both referees with the supervisor there to say, what were you thinking in this situation? I, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that, that transparency. Um, but I don't think you do it every night. I think that the the system that is in place now that for the ability for broadcasters and writers to email and even if you have a good relationship phone people in supervising positions whether that be steve walkham in the case of the national hockey league or or colin campbell or rod pasma or kay whitmore uh, to say what was going on in this scenario what's the explanation i was going to say mike murphy but mike's just retired uh mike was always good for for a solid explanation i i think for the you know the 1300 regular season games i think it would get too much and get too uh too chaotic after the game but i think when you have a single game night you have a big game conference finals stanley cup final i think there's some logic to allowing that to happen yeah what do you think did everybody hear what he said there conference finals stanley cup final Nick, yeah. you, you are so deliberate uh, on that <laughs> and it's and it's awesome and you you were one of the first people that uh that really drilled that that, that home to me. Well, I, 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 can I tell you, I just tell you a story yeah. about that. I know it is so I used to get mad at the league all the time because they couldn't decide in literature and graphics oh, whether the Stanley Cup final. Oh, they couldn't decide. This is when I was before I got to the league. So so they were calling it like they would allow the team to call it the Stanley Cup finals and they would call it the Stanley Cup final. Then the next thing is you'd see a league person say Stanley Cup finals. And the team would say final. So I got so mad uh, on Hockey Night in Canada. If you watch, go back and watch it on YouTube. On Hockey Night in Canada, <laughs> throughout most of the 90s, we called it the Stanley Cup Championship. Seriously? Oh, yeah. Just a, I've just had enough. We're doing our own thing. I don't care what you want. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't sure. never caught that. No, nobody did. But I was happy. I, I just, I was so mad at everybody. I said, can we all be on the same page? Can't we all be on the same page? And we couldn't all be on the same page. I said, screw it. We're the Stanley Cup championship. Did anybody say anything to you? from the league? Nobody, nobody, nobody. It was not, nobody noticed. <laughs> hey, were, were you as powerful as the league at, at, at hockey night? Um... If he, if I, had I had a philosophy. I had a philosophy. I'd have It really, uh, it, t- t- quite honestly, so much changed after Gary took over. Hmm. 
Uh, and I, I'm, I'm not saying that in a negative sense. I, I, I think I, it, it's in a real sense, the right structure, accountability, structure mm -hmm. and accountability. I mean, that's, Hey, that's why I got hired at the league was to reinforce the structure and the accountability because, you know, people were running amok and, and not following protocols and formulas. It was, that was part of what was, was supposed to happen and, and, and try to make things and elevate production styles and elevate philosophies and then reinforce what the, the league was trying to do. Um, but when John Ziegler was the, was the president, you know, we, we kind of viewed ourselves as we were the gatekeepers of the game mm. because we were, we were monitoring the league almost as much as we were monitoring the teams and the players but and if we didn't like something at hockey night if we didn't like something we would say it and 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 carried so, a lot of it, weight and it carried a lot more weight then it, it really did it carried more weight then i mean we this is you know this is even before don really was a, a factor and don really wasn't didn't become a factor nationally until about 1987 or 1988 um and 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 I, and I had been I was gone uh, just prior to that the first time, um, so it, it was we viewed ourselves in a special, particularly when it came to Canada and protecting what the game was for Canada um, versus what um, versus what you could see with was going on with the game growing in the United States the way it was. You know, it actually, I, I'm not. It, this is not a blatant plug, but a lot of that stuff is is in the book I wrote. Up, uh, you know, so uh, about what was going on with the game and how the game had changed and how we had to change with the game and 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 the influence that that uh, every level of TV had on the game and and what we needed to do to have fun with. It. I mean, the satellite hot stove. You know, from '95 to. 2000 when the satellite hot stove um became the best promoter of of the national hockey league product and it also became its biggest critic and so there were days that everybody at the league office including gary loved the satellite hot stove and there were days they hated it <laughs> because it was we we took we, we took no prisoners that was the first real panel right in, in well in i hockey. i didn't i didn't I didn't I didn't view it as a panel as much as I viewed it as hockey's version of a, CN, a CNN newscast. Yeah. That's what I viewed it as. It didn't look as as a panel, but it really was a a, a panel. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I never, but I honestly never, because I, I mean, to me, the only place at that point, the only place that had panels, was the National Football League. I mean, we, you know, when we went, when we did hockey night, we had. You know, a host and a and an analyst. That's it. You know, two people. Yeah. So so it wasn't it wasn't as if um it wasn't as if we were trying and we we actually intentionally said we are not gonna do a panel because we don't want to be like football. We're hockey, we do things differently. That was always our philosophy. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is is that panels when you're doing so many more games like when you were at sportsnet and all the games you guys did at sportsnet in those days in the early days particularly you needed a panel because it would solve all your intermission issues yes and, you know just what are we doing now go back to the panel 
then yeah. you don't then and you but you don't spend money on features you don't spend money on you know uh, satellite interviews you you just put three guys on the set and and they talk about the game and show highlights and give opinions you know and and, and there's nothing wrong with that but you tend to then it becomes a crutch well we'll just throw it to the panel and the panel decides what they're going to talk about and life goes on and we've you know listen we've we've done that together on panels when we've worked together um and 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 you can take your time and do it but it's there are times where it's not creative enough in order to really bring what's what's good about that game you're supposed to be watching but your satellite hot stove was information yeah. we all stopped to watch totally. it just like we did grapes and uh, to to listen because there was information coming out of it but i, I would argue the personalities of of your crew was just as important as that information uh the eye rules the but the but that came that 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 was that was later on that wasn't oh. right the, 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 no it wasn't right away because i mean the first the so so the the the, the three the two original constants on the hot stove the two original constants on the hot stove, other than Ron, obviously, was John Davidson. And John Davidson and they're representing what was going on in the National Hockey League in the United States. Yes. He was the other guy was Jim Houston. He was the original he was the second guy on the, the original hot stove for a couple of years. And he was there to talk what was going on in Western Canada because there was so much of what Hockey Night stood for that was really only Toronto, Montreal. And we felt there was a real need to try to identify the fact that there are four teams out there in Western Canada uh, that needed, you know, some tender loving care. And that's why we did what we did. And and then the third body was either rotating, whether we were in Toronto or Montreal, because that's where the show normally was done. We, we didn't have a studio. We traveled, the, we called it the circus. We traveled the circus either to Toronto or Montreal or or even Ottawa. So then we would bring somebody with us, whether that was, uh, well, Yvonne, you know, the, the great Yvonne Pedno, who just passed away last week. Uh, he was one of our regular guys out of Montreal. Red Fisher was a regular guy out of, out of Montreal. Scott Morrison was one of the regular guys out of Toronto. And so was Al Strachan. See, and, I remember Strack the most. Yeah, but but, but that, was, that was a little later on. And then we, and I mean, our, our pal Scotty was mad at me for five or six years because I had to make a decision whether I wanted Strachan or Morrison on the panel because I couldn't have two guys from the Toronto Sun. I couldn't, couldn't have two guys from the Toronto Sun. So I made the decision because Al was at that point better television because he was a little sandpaper. He was right. a little bit, a little different. Um, and he was a better gossip and you needed gossip. And Al was, be Al, Al was better at gossip than Scotty was. So... Scott's information was good, but Al was a better gossip. You know, it took me a long time in in my career to figure that out. And I don't know whether it's a good thing or not, but less less like anchorman professional and more fly by the seat of your pants and entertaining. And and I probably use that more on radio or the podcast than I do uh, on the actual television side. But you got to be entertainment has become so much part of it as as the information and the anchor professionalism right but it always you, you, was. i see that with it you always on, was. When, when, when you're on when you're on panels you you are not uh stiff producer john you are 
uh, aloof and uh, uh no not i'm not aloof but what you're aloof from the conversation sometimes like you'll just take it near in your own <laughs> direction like gene yeah. wants to talk about this you'll just ah, I, I see stuff that you do that you never would have put up with as a producer but it's entertaining um yeah but i i think i uh, see in the end we actually have to go here um no. in the end the key thing in all this darren and and uh, this is one of the, first of all you can't take yourself too seriously no you can't you that can't took me take a long time too <laughs> we are not covering a hurricane or wildfires we're just we're talking about a hockey game and the other thing is you got to make sure that the guy at home who think who who guy or girl at home thinks they know about as much about the game that, that you do and and a lot of that's true it, you've you still got to engage with them you have to find a way to say hey listen i know you know a lot about the game but think about this for a second here's and and, and it it, it's the wow factor. You got you, you, you want to try to find a way to have them sit up in their seats and say, hey, wow, that's kind of cool. I'm going to watch tomorrow night too. That's what it's all about. Hey, we um, we got one more break to run. So it's, uh, uh, can I run? You've taken over the host of the show. Can I throw it to break? I like asking you questions. Yes, you can throw it to break. <laughs> that's Darren Millard. I'm John Shannon. This is the McCon <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> Back after this. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. McCown's still out. Millard's here. He's taken over the show. But see, and folks, you got you got to know that these are the types of phone conversations that Darren and I have on exactly. a regular basis that aren't on the air. Yes. And usually you're asking me questions about like what happened in 1978 at the Boston Garden and how did Dave Hodge manage that? <laughs> yes. It, it fascinates me because it's different, but it's the same. Yeah. In fact, it's probably easier now because things are so more fluid and uh, people see so much more television that things tend to go wrong or things tend to go chaotic or you get these uh, uh, things from left field. Uh, back then, it wasn't on much, uh, as much. And so something from left field would be really big news. It was harder. Uh, it, it was harder to manage then mm -hmm. than it is now. Just because there's, you're right. There's people understand more. Viewers understand more. Um, there's a there's a level of sophistication. I mean, we there were lots of nights, even at at hockey night through 70s and 80s, there was no sophistication. We were just happy to be on the air, you know. And 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 then you then understanding what your role and your goal is, is to simply bring the game, have some fun. Um, and you know, that it's, I, I don't think that's changed. I think people still believe in that, but, but the question is, and I think technology, this is where the downside of it is that technology's hurt that. And now we're too much into style over substance. Too many times we have a, we, we have great animations. We have great glitz. We have great graphics. And we're not really sure what the story is and how do we tell the story. And there are times where there's an expectation. There's always going to be visuals. And sometimes the best way to tell the story is come on camera, look through the lens and say, here's what happened and here's why. And I think that's TNT's beauty. 
is they don't do as much visual but and they and and it goes back to chemistry it goes yeah. back to you know and and there are nights even on tnt there are nights where you can see too much structure and you know it's if you have too much structure you will not have enough creativity in the system to be to really create fun entertaining enjoyable television it won't it just won't but we have uh, no but they it, like you and what I, you and i have no structure we just talk yeah it also yeah it, 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 but but I, but i i think that this medium the podcast world was designed for no structure mm -hmm. and i and there are some people that can thrive in it and there are some people that can't so it's 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 part of it's part of the pro and, and right now podcasting is it's the wild wild west and people are trying to find a, a niche that works and and hopefully uh, for most of them it becomes a, a successful one like the chirp like the who's, chirp. who's your first guest on the chirp haven't decided yet it'll be somebody from the oh. player media tour because uh they roll into town oh. next week here in vegas is that in vegas yeah oh, wow. so cool. i sit down with a few players there oh. all right well okay hey thanks for this this has been awesome i look forward to tomorrow well and tomorrow uh actually it's not gonna be something different we're we're, we're gonna bring ron mcclain aboard and oh really sit sit and uh and talk about uh what's gone on how his summer was when those rumors occurred that he was leaving or getting dismissed uh we're gonna talk to ron about uh life in the big chair on hockey night in canada tomorrow thanks for this darren awesome thank you buddy all right mccowan podcast see you tomorrow folks